Amen. Thank you, Phil and Stan, for kind of leading up to our sermon, which is about that very subject, loving God and loving others. We have some good folks ready to take our children downstairs for Children's Church, so if any of the children would like to go with them, uh, just head to the back of the sanctuary and they will take you downstairs. And here we're going to pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love. And we come to look at what Jesus said are the great commandments. And right at the heart of both is love. And so we pray that you will impress upon our hearts what we need to take away from this today, Lord, so that we can become more like you. We thank you for giving us your word. Help us now to receive it as the truth. And we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray that you'll lead us now that we might reflect your love both to you and to others in a way that would bring honor to your name. Lord, we pray for our children and those who are leading them. We pray you'll bless them in this hour And we want your will and your will only to be done. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Well, let's open our Bibles for a while to Matthew 22 this morning. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. And we see and experience an account of Jesus talking with some religious leaders who didn't have the best of intentions but they really gave him a a platform, an opportunity for Jesus to tell us what are the two great commandments and what significance that should have in our lives. In the passage here, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he answers, I don't think he answered the way they expected him to, as he often did, but... He certainly gives us clear direction that shows us who God is and who he wants us to be. Look at Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. And saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, the setting is important to get here. This is coming at the end of a series of attempts by the religious leaders of Israel to, to entrap Jesus. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's shocking because we think, well, they were the religious leaders. Surely they loved Jesus, didn't they? No, actually they didn't. The religious leadership were threatened by Jesus. They had built up an entire industry in which they 
controlled the people, profited from the people. And when Jesus came saying things that were clearly biblical from the Old Testament, it did not jive with what they wanted to hear. And their position, their power, their money, their livelihood, they felt was threatened. And so we find all through the Gospels, they repeatedly came to Jesus trying to find a way to get him to say something or do something that they could use against him. I mean, from the time he started, they were out to get him. They didn't have to hear much of what Jesus said or what the people who loved Jesus were saying about him. It didn't take much before they decided they were going to bring him down any way they could. That's kind of human nature, isn't it? We see that story repeated over and over again down through history. We see it in our own lives sometimes. And Jesus, God himself, came into the very midst of the religious crowd that had memorized most of the Old Testament. And there was the Messiah that they had prayed for and hoped for and waited for. There he was right in front of them, and they hated him. And they were trying to find a way to trap him. He'd already answered several questions. The Sadducees asked him about the resurrection and these were things that they debated, these religious people, these religious leaders, they debated these questions repeatedly down through decades and centuries even. And so they would ask these questions that really had no answers from a human standpoint, and they were trying to get Jesus to say something that would alienate a large number of people. So it was one of those situations where no matter what Jesus answered, it was going to be bad. That's the kind of situation they were trying to put him in. So here we find one of those questions. One of the scribes, it says he was a lawyer of the Pharisees. You had the Pharisees, they were like the conservatives. The Sadducees, they were like the liberals. And then you had the scribes, which were kind of the, the lawyers of the religious leaders. And one of these lawyers asked him a question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now you can see where that would be problematic, right? If you pick one commandment, and I think they were probably thinking the Ten Commandments, you pick one of the commandments over all the others, then they can attack you for, well, why did you pick that one and not this one? And so it was a trap. But Jesus didn't answer the way they expected. He didn't even talk about one of the Ten Commandments. He goes to the very heart of the law and the prophets. And he brings forward for us what is at the very center of what it means to love God, to know God. And they had lost the love that God always intended to be at the very forefront of our relationship with him. Really, without love, there is no relationship with God or with people. And so Jesus here brings that to the forefront. And he answers very directly in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. 
Now, they would have immediately known he was partially, essentially quoting from Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. You might mark that uh, in your notes or in your Bible. That is called the Shema. And that was the passage that the people of Israel would memorize, among many others, but that was one of the main ones. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so Jesus takes from that great passage and he brings that statement, that command forward and says, this is the first and great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God. Now, some people try to take the statements, all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then we have in other passages, the word strength is added and they try to make some uh, something really major out of the different things, the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength. I think that misses the point. The point is Jesus is saying you shall, you shall love God with all of who you are, with everything, holding nothing back. And yes, your heart, the center of your emotions, the will, the mind, the thought life, yeah, you, can, you can talk about all of those different aspects, but what, what Jesus is saying is God should be preeminent in your life. Everything about you should be submitted to the love and will of God. And we are here to worship Him, to honor Him, to serve Him with every fiber of our being. As long as we live on this earth and then for eternity. When we see glimpses of heaven, what are people doing in heaven in the Scripture? They're worshiping, aren't they? They're loving God with all of who they are. That begins here the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, and then it continues for eternity. And so Jesus says this is the first and great, great commandment. The word great there in the Greek is the word Megas, where we get the word mega from. This is the mega commandment. This is the biggest one. Because really, if you are loving God with all of who you are, everything else will flow rightly from that. See, that's the thing. And remember, he's talking to religious leaders who were not about love at all. For them, it had just become a going through the motions. Religion had taken the place of a relationship with God. They, they could quote the Old Testament. They had added things to the Old Testament because they were so afraid they might break 
certain commandments that they wanted to add lots of rules and regulations around every one of those so they'd never get to the actual commandment. Uh, it was a works theology. It was a life of do's and don'ts. And yes, the Bible very clear about some things we should do and some things we shouldn't do. But that's not the sum of what it means to know God. Knowing God at its very core is loving God, having a relationship with God. And praise God, he has made a way for that to happen by Jesus. God himself coming into this world to be the Savior to be the one who would die for our sins and rise from the dead so that we can be forgiven of our sin and be brought together with God in this loving relationship. It's now not only possible, it will happen if you receive God's love into your life. You see, God's love changes us. And then we are able to love him with all of our heart, all of who we are, and we're able to love others. Now, we should learn from this passage. Don't try to outsmart God. Don't try to outfox God. That's what you see here. The, uh, I realized when I put here outfox that some people might not know. That's kind of an old-fashioned word. What does it mean to outfox somebody? Well, it means to outwit them, to outsmart them, to outmaneuver them. And that's what these people were always trying to do with Jesus. There are people today who are still trying to outmaneuver God. They think if they can just, you know, tell God with the right words or they can do certain things, they can just force God to fit into their box and, and God is going to become like they are. God will never become like us. But we can become in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, with all of our strength, through the power of God, we can become like Jesus. He's, he's working on us to shape us and fashion us so that we love God the way that he wants us to. And through that, then we love others. That's the Holy Spirit at work in us, that we might become more and more like Jesus Christ. These uh, religious leaders had not come to that place yet. They were not at the point where they wanted to submit to God. They wanted God to submit to them. So I hope in your life you're not because you're angry or you're hurt or you've been through some terrible thing. Listen, God, know, he, he understands better than we do what we've been through. And sometimes we harbor real bitterness, even toward God, because we think, why did this happen? How could it happen if there is a God? Well, God hasn't gone anywhere. God created everything good. He didn't set sin in motion. I mean, he didn't sin. We did. We're in a fallen world. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. God's doing everything he can to make it right. And someday it will be right. There will be no more sin and death and sorrow and pain. And so I would just encourage you, don't turn away from God. Turn to him. Open your heart to him. Love him. Receive his love. And let God do his work in your life. 
Don't think you're going to somehow outwit God or put God in his place by keeping him away and at arm's length. You're not. You're only hurting yourself. We only hurt ourselves when we do that. You need him. You need his help, his healing, his comfort, his love. So open yourself to him. Because Jesus here is saying, love the Lord your God with all of who you are. And that's the beginning of things being right. And then he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus follows right on with love God, with love your neighbor as yourself. It's like it because you really can't love your neighbor the way God wants you to without the love of God in your life. The two are, are, are inextricably linked. And if we love God with all of who we are, we will love our neighbor, see? The two work together. Sometimes people are very well-meaning and very well-intentioned, and they try to only focus on, I'm going to love other people. I'm going to do everything I can to try to help other people and make other people and their lives better. And there's a lot of good things done with that motivation, but you never can get to the heart of the problem with many people's lives and what they need the most unless you're also sharing with them the love of God. That's where that begins to be a real difficulty. Just meeting the material needs of somebody does not get at the root of the problem most of the time. They, it needs to be both. We love others, but we love others by, yes, helping them with what they're dealing with in this life and all the physical things that they must face, but also sharing with them that there is a God who loves them and he wants them to love God too. And that makes them whole. That brings real healing into a person's life. Both are needed. And so these two commandments, Jesus said, on these two hang all of the law and the prophets. And so everything really you find in the Old Testament, Jesus said, is summed up by these two commandments. All the specific commands, all the details are summed up in these two. And of course, Jesus is also saying to these people who had the law memorized, if you miss the love, then you have nothing. If all you have is this list of do's and don'ts, but there's no love for God and there's no love for people, you really have nothing. And so it's so important for us to see what Jesus is saying here. Mark 12 is also a passage that has this same account and says things a little bit differently. Verses 32 to 34, the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. There's, there's humor in the Bible. So after Jesus answered this question and the ones that preceded it, they decided we're not asking him any more questions. We can't outwit him. We can't outmaneuver him. And we should learn that lesson. God is to be listened to, is to be loved, is to be obeyed. God is not for us to instruct. It's really not for us to command God. It's for us to listen to him, to follow him, to be obedient to him as we love him. And so these are not to be seen as uh, somehow separate things, loving God, loving others. The two go together. Our purpose statement as a church is that we are here to glorify God by leading people to know, follow, serve, and share Jesus Christ. And our motto is loving God, loving others. I think that really should be what every church is about. Loving God, loving others. That's why we're here. That's what it is to have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ. When he saves us, we want other people to know that love and to come to love God the way we do. And we share that love with those around us. Love others as you love yourself. Isn't that interesting he said it that way? Now, I think we can go too far with self-love. But he did say, love others as you love yourself. Maybe the reason why there are many people who aren't very nice to other people is because they really don't think much of themselves. When you understand you were made in the image of God and that you're so valuable that Jesus came and died for your sin, then you understand how much God loves us. Not just me, but he loves everyone. He died for all. And that really is the heart of us having an open heart and love for other people. Because when we see other people, we see another person that Jesus died for. Just like he died for me. Just like he forgave me. As, as dirty and rotten a sinner as I am, he forgave me. And if he'll do that for me, then he'll do that for other people too. And therefore, when we see other people, we should see them as a person made in the image of God. Every person. From the womb to the tomb. The word neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Jesus told a parable about that to explain who is our neighbor. Because one of these, one of these hotshot lawyers came to Jesus and asked him that sort of question. Well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? If you look over in Luke chapter 10, on one occasion, an expert 
in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He got it right, didn't he? You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I mean, Jesus says the second great commandment is, Love your neighbor as yourself. So who is our neighbor? Now, we can try to really define that down narrowly, can't we? That way we don't have to care about very many people. You know, maybe the guy who lives right next to my house. Just people that I know well. Well, then Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan to answer that question. Remember that parable? The poor guy is beaten up by robbers. He's in the ditch. And who comes by? The priest? The Levite? And a Samaritan. The Samaritans were the scum of the earth to the Jewish leadership, the religious crowd. In fact, they would go all the way around Samaria to avoid going through it. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to be soiled by even being in the territory of the Samaritans. They were considered to be like, in their terminal, half-breeds, not worthy and so Jesus, in the parable, deliberately sets it up that the hero of the story is who? The Samaritan. It's not the religious leaders who have the law memorized that stop and help the poor guy in the ditch. It's the Samaritan. And that is to illustrate who is our neighbor. Everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. We have responsibility to do all that we can to help people who are in need, who need the love of God, and they'll experience the love of God through our love for them, first and foremost. And here was a man who was laying in a ditch, vulnerable, helpless, and this Samaritan stops and helps him. How much more? Should we be like that Samaritan? We should let God use us to help all people. No matter what their background or their situation. And again, I think that's true from the womb to the tomb. This is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. The March for Life just happened in Washington. What better time for us to think about who is our neighbor the most vulnerable among us need our help the most. And we should always see every person as being made in the image of Almighty God. He made them for Himself. And it's our job to love them the way God loves them and the way He has loved us. So this is not just a general statement, love others we need to love people individually. 
Specifically, C.S. Lewis, I close with this statement. C.S. Lewis said, It is easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. So, yes, we should say we love all people, but then we need to love people one by one, individually. Let God use us each day to show his love to people that he brings across our pathway. We'll have that opportunity this week ahead, won't we? God's going to bring somebody across your pathway who needs your love. The love of God needs to flow through you to that person. It may just be something you say. It may be a kind word. It may be an opportunity to to serve that person, to help that person in some way. But let's not just pass people by like Wilma played in that offertory people need the lord every day they pass me by i can see it in their eyes empty people filled with care headed who knows where on they go through private pain living fear to fear they need to know that god loves them and because we love god and have received his love, we can let them know that they're not alone. We're here, and God is here. So these two great commandments, love God with all of who you are, and then let God use you to love others. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for this word Thank you for what you told us. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of all that you said here. But we pray, Lord, that in our minds and hearts, you'll keep reinforcing to us the truth of this, your word. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we know, Lord, it's going to continue to speak to us. Now, Lord, this morning there may be someone here who needs to make a commitment of their life to you perhaps you've been moving in their mind and heart and this is the day they need to give their life to you they need to receive your love and they need to stake their life on who you are ask you for forgiveness of sin lord we pray you'll hear their prayer Lead someone, Lord, to open their heart and say, Jesus, I need your love. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I give my life to you. We know that you will, on the authority of your word, you say you will save whoever calls on your name. And then, Lord, there may be Christians here who need to commit their their whole self to what you have said here to love you with all their heart not hold anything back may this be the day publicly or privately 
that we commit ourselves to love you and to love others in that way. We want your will to be done. Help us to leave here having been obedient to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.